the Sermon on the Mount, um, Matthew chapter 5, and we kind of work through the, the last of the, the Beatitudes, and the Beatitudes are the, the attitude that we are to, to have um, to be citizens of, of heaven. And just following that, it comes in that, that when, we, when we have those, that we are then the, the salt and light. We're the salt of the earth and we're the light of the world. And, uh, you know, it says in the scriptures that we are to taste and see that the Lord is good. And, uh, yeah, I think, you know, how on earth is the world going to taste and see that we are good if we don't carry these beatitudes or these attitudes in our, our life and uh, that represent uh, our Lord. Um, so this morning I want to um, look at a passage here. It's from, chapter, from verse 17 to, to 20 where it says that Christ came to fulfill the law. Um, so let me, let me just read it. Uh, verse 17 says, Do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you for your wisdom that's in your word, Lord, that the truth, Lord, and Father, I, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to fully understand um, your word, Lord, that we might be transformed and be more like you, Lord. And I thank you for righteousness, Lord, and, and you know, just salvation, Lord, that we're in the process, Lord, of, of being saved, Lord. And uh, one day we will see you, Lord, face to face. We thank you for that, Lord. And so I pray for the word, pray for myself, Lord, that would articulate things well and represent you well. In Jesus' name. Amen. Just before I go, go further, I was going to ask Greg. Greg, uh, Greg and Matthew, um, they've been meeting as men, and they, they felt a word for us as a church for us to see pictures. And so, yeah, maybe, you know, I think it kind of, just listening to what Greg had brought and just around uh, the Beatitudes, I thought, well, it's, could be opportune to, to release it now. Uh, thanks, Nick. Um, yeah, just uh, we meet once a week, and uh, we just opened up a little space where we're just saying, God, come and talk to us, you know, specifically, you know, just in terms of the church and that. And um, so the first um, word we got um, was infighting. And um, and then it was followed um, by the words, starts with accusation. And, um, and then further to that, I just felt God saying latent or patent. Latent or patent is a, a terminology that's used in property law when you buy a house. And it says that um, if you've bought this house and there are defects, whether seen or unseen, that the, the buyer is still covered. So in other words, you can't hide the defects. So I think there, this word is just pointing towards that. So what we really just felt God saying 
is that um, uh, with accusation or when somebody comes with an accusation, you'll see in time that leads to fighting. Um, then the other picture we got um, was just of, a, of a, a, a mountain. And the words that came with that is the mountain is high. And it was almost talking of God's mountain and just saying that the high really just uh, felt the word emphasize of high as holy. And just saying that this mountain, God's mountain is high, it's a holy mountain. It had a snow cap on it, and we know that snow is pure. And I think just what Nick was talking about there, talking about, a, a, um, you know, sort of really needing to be godly in order to enter the kingdom of heaven. And I just want to quickly go back to a scripture here. And it's in Hebrews, and it just says, a call to listen to God. Uh, work at living in peace with everyone, and work at living a holy life. For those that, that are not holy will not see the Lord. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Make sure that no one is immoral or godless like Esau who traded his birthright at, um, as the firstborn for a, a single meal. You know that afterwards he wanted his father's blessing, he was rejected. It was too late for repentance, even though he begged um, with bitter tears. So just that word of infighting um, and accusation, I think sometimes, uh, and I've even done it, you'll come and you'll just make a minor accusation to sit and you say, actually, hang on, you know. Let's just be careful of this thing. So I think God just wants to, we felt just to release that word for you guys to go and think about it. It's not pointing any fingers at anybody, but I think it's just is a word from God. Therefore, we say it's prophetic. Therefore, we say God wants to, to release it into the church. Um, the last picture we got um, was, it, 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 was a, it was a leather shoulder bag. And as I looked down, I saw the sort of tassels on it. And then I saw the hand going in and actually realized that that shoulder bag, you know, wasn't a woman's shoulder bag, it was the shoulder bag of a duck hunter. And inside that, he was grabbing the shotgun shells to load it into his shotgun. And uh, really just of that, just felt the attitude of a duck hunter towards sin. So, you know, ducks, out comes that, and they're down, and they're falling. I was just thinking about it this morning is that often they'll scare them out of the, the reeds and they'll fly up and then it's just one pull, two pulls, finished. And it's not, you know, often I, I think when we've got certain sin issues, sometimes, you know, we're not dividing the light from dark on it and we kind of tend to cuddle some of our sin, you know. Um, and we can sometimes encourage one another, oh, shame, you know, that's not too bad. So I think what God was pointing out there is to have the attitude of a duck hunter, Ducks, yes, are cute, and they're fluffy, and, you know, sometimes we want to cuddle them, but sin can be like that as well. So it's really just that attitude of the duck hunter, and he doesn't even think about it. Just pulls out his gun, he, <laughs> done, into the reeds, dog fetches, dealt with. Cool. And I think um, the attitude of the duck hunter is, you know, we, we're not the ducks. It's a sin in our own lives. So it's not, you know, me shooting you. <laughs> so just to just to kind of get that uh, get that clear. But yeah, just I think the picture is you know that of a high mountain. God's calling us to a, a, a higher a higher holiness. To I mean to have His righteousness fulfilled in our lives. 
and to, to go up that mountain. And we're not to carry him. And, uh, you know, Jesus comes and he makes this declaration. He says, I've come to fulfill the law and uh, not, not do away with it. And then he goes on and he pulls out six Old Testament commandments and um, elaborates on those and kind of makes the, the kind of a higher order and kind of starts dealing with not on the outside, but kind of on the, on the inside. And, uh, yeah, and I feel maybe God is displaying something of that to us, and he wants to take us, take us up higher. We need to be radical in dealing with sin, and there is a mountain to climb up. And um, cool. Um, yeah, so the first, Jesus comes, he says, yeah, there's, um, you know, when, he, when he says, I did not come to abolish the law, um, he means that he didn't come to do away with the law, but he came to that to fulfill it. And actually the word fulfill there is to give full meaning and to, to be obeyed as it should be, to do, to do fully. And it was really in fulfillment of the prophecy in Isaiah 42, 20, 21. It says, the Lord is well pleased for his righteousness to magnify the law and make it glorious. For his righteousness to magnify the law and make it glorious. And the thing is, if we don't have a high, a high view of, of the law, we won't have a high view of God. And, um, yeah, and it's just almost like Jesus coming and taking this trophy and, and polishing it up and just bringing the, and, and to put it up on the, uh, up, up front there. You know, sometimes things get a little bit tarnished in our lives. Um, so the, the first point, and I don't want to, you can go and take that piece of scripture and there are many people say, well, you know, Jesus has come and he's done away with the law, kind of, um, <clears throat> which is not, not true. You just come and put, and you put the word abolish into where you see fulfill and all that stuff, and it just doesn't make sense. He didn't come to do away with the law. He came to fulfill the law and the full requirements of the law and uh, in his obedience and in his right, righteousness. So I want to, just flowing from that, um, just a practical and important question is, is how is the righteous requirement of the law fulfilled by us? You know, Jesus came to fulfill it, but how, you know, where does it leave, where does it leave you and me? And, uh, and to me, it's kind of, I want to kind of look at two things shortly. And the first is, you know, really what Christ has done for us. And, what, what he, and the second thing is what he wants to do in us and through us. Um, and the one has to do with our, our position and our position in Christ. And the other one has to do more with our experience. And it comes back to the theological terms of uh, justification and sanctification. And we need to know where we stand in Christ. Otherwise, we're going to be floundering this way and that way. And, and when our experience doesn't line up with uh, with, with the righteous requirements of the law, we're going to feel wretched and terrible and, and want to give up and quit and say, look, I just can't, I can't do this thing. And so we know, we need to know our position in Christ. And, um, and yeah, I love uh, the passage, or the passage that speaks nicely to me is um, in, out of Colossians, it says, and you were dead in your transgressions and your uncircumcision of your flesh. Um, God made alive, sorry, let me just get, I'm trying to read it out of there. Um, and you who were dead in your transgression, 
in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven all our trespasses by cancelling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. And uh, yeah, just that he's cancelled our record of debt that stood against us, each one of us. That uh, the scriptures are very clear that there's not one that um, is righteous. All have fallen short of the glory of God. We, we, we all sin. And uh, the sentence uh, of, of, that, of that sin is, is death. But Jesus Christ, he's come in, and by his death and resurrection on the cross, he's, he's come and he's taken our place, and he's canceled that debt. And, uh, and we've, we've been acquitted, like in a courtroom, that he's our, he's our advocate. He's the one that is able to present us faultless be, before our God. And uh, we need to know that position, that my, my debts have been canceled. I'm free. And uh, he took my sin, he took my, my iniquities, everything on him. And in the place of that, gave me his righteousness. And when, when God looks at us, he sees his son. And he looks and he sees uh, Jesus Christ. Even though my life might still be quite, quite messy. And I think, that, I think sometimes that's, you might look at a Christian and you think, well, you know, have a look at that guy. Um, you, you need to know he's a work in progress. And, uh, but, but in his standing and his, his position in Christ, he is safe. And he is going to heaven. And God might have to do a bit of cleaning up, uh, you know, as he goes through the gates. Um, <laughs> but we need, to, we need to know our position. I think if we don't know our position in Christ, we're going to flounder in life. Because from day to day, you know, today I feel strong and tomorrow I feel like I failed. Um, but my position in Christ is firm. And I am safe. And I'm, I'm going to heaven. And uh, I've... I've someone, I have a, a savior who is able to present me, faultless. Um, he says there he's disarmed the rulers and authorities. He's disarmed the powers and the powers over our life. You know, Jesus came to um, take the penalty of our sin, but also the, the, the power of sin over our lives. He's, he's disarmed the enemy. And he seated us in heavenly places above all powers and principalities. That's where we're seated. And we need to live from that, that, that place. If we're not living from that place, if we're living from another place, we're always going to live in defeat. And when we are in defeat, we need to get back to that place. And because um, Jesus Christ has empowered us. And he's made an open shame of the enemy and he's triumphed over them. And our sins and everything have been nailed to, to the cross. That we've been set up for victory. And uh, we need to live from that, that place of, of victory. So the first thing is just to what, what Jesus has done for us. Romans 5, 19, For as by one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. 
And Jesus goes here and he says that, you know, our righteousness needs to exceed that of the scribes and the Pharisees, or you'll not enter the, the kingdom of heaven. Um, it needs to exceed. And then he goes kind of inward and goes towards uh, the heart of, of man. And we see that the Pharisees were more concerned with what is going on on the outside of, of man. You know, as long as I look good on the outside, um, that's okay. It's just all what, what man sees. But man doesn't see just the outside. Man sees, the, God sees, the, uh, sees our heart. And so, yeah, Jesus is going after the heart and calling us to um, his level of, of, of righteousness and just dealing with attitudes and, and intents of, of the heart. Um, the Pharisees were, they were kind of, you go read in other places, they were more interested in, you know, kind of, why, why do your disciples not wash their hands when they eat their food? And Jesus says, oh, it doesn't really matter. I mean, if you wash, you know, the food goes into your stomach and it passes through and it doesn't do anything, it doesn't contaminate you. But actually what does contaminate you is what comes out of your heart and what you speak out of your heart. And those are the things that defile you. Um, other places he talks about them being whitewashed tombs. You know, they're kind of all nice and white. And I think Viv had that picture of those, uh, the jacket, and, you know, you open the jacket and there's just, there's nothing, nothing inside. Um, they enjoyed names without having a servant's heart. Um, yeah, they were a clean cup and a plate, but full of greed and self-indulgence. And so what we're going to be doing over the next couple of weeks is actually just looking at some of, some of these things in our lives that we can um, yeah, just um, engage. Where Jesus talks, he takes a couple of commandments and um, takes anger, you know, our response um, to whatever endangers what we, what we love. You know, you get angry when that thing is kind of blocked and you, um, yeah, so he deals with anger, he deals with lust. He deals with uh, oh, a difficult topic is divorce, but we need to, we need to talk about it. Um, uh, talks about oaths, retaliation, and then when you carry grudges, bitterness, resentment, he says that sweet revenge always turns bitter eventually. And then the last one he talks there is that the, the love, we need to love our enemy. And what Jesus is really doing is coming to revolutionize our hearts. You know, that, uh, the heart that can love has been revolutionized. And it's a heart that truly, truly loves. It's easy to love someone that loves you, but someone that doesn't love you, not so easy. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, Jesus wants to work with our hearts. And that brings us to, to me, the second thing is um, um, in fulfilling that righteousness, it's what Jesus has done for us, but it's also more important or as important is what Jesus is doing in us. And, uh, you know, if we never, never allow Jesus inside of us, and where he says, you know, to the Pharisees, unless you, your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, you'll never enter into the kingdom of God. Um, I don't know if he's talking about uh, necessarily, uh, you know, justification, but maybe, you know, in that as well. But also, if, if we never allow God to work inside and we carry stuff, inside like anger and bitterness and all of that um, I don't think we ever we ever participate in the in the kingdom of God fully might be saved but we we like a Pandora's box full inside 
I think as C.S. Lewis said that God is a transcendental uh, meddler. God wants to meddle in our lives. God wants to <laughs> work in our lives by, by, his, by His Spirit. I was sitting the other day with, uh, uh, with a guy going through, just trying to deal with some stuff. And, and one of the things he mentioned in the conversation, he says, well, you know, I just, I just cut it off. And I kind of thought, oh, I also do that, you know. I kind of, if, if I don't like something, I kind of, I cut it off. And I thought, well, it's a strength, you know, kind of, I can, I can handle the world. You know, I just cut it off. And as I was talking to him, I just realized, actually, you know, if you, if you go through life and you, you're just cutting it off, eventually you're going to live in a very small little, small little space. And I was just chatting to Viv afterwards, and she was reading a, a book she got from Amy's mom, just on trauma, trauma counseling and stuff like that. And I'm not traumatized, but uh, <laughs> and I, I mentioned just you know, this thing of cutting off, and she said, oh, you know, actually another word for that is called disassociation. So all I'm do, all you're doing is actually disassociation, disassociating from a, a difficult situation that you, you're saying, I don't want to go there. You know, it's, it's, just, it's just, I don't want to, um, it's uncomfortable. I don't want to deal with stuff in my life. And sometimes in our, in our walk, we like what Jesus has done for us, but he wants to do stuff in us. And we say, well, that's where it kind of it gets uncomfortable. And sometimes we like going to a church where I can just pull in and out. Because, you know, this brother of mine, he kind of, you know, it's like this way, and he kind of just climbs all over you, walks all over you, and he kind of... <laughs> And, uh, you know, it makes you deal with stuff. But that's, that's why we put together. God, God's trying to work inside of us and to, 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 to transform us more into the image of, of, his, of his son. And so we see, like, in uh, Ephesians and that, you know, Jesus' first talks in the first three chapter, chapters was what God has done for us and what we've been saved into. Or what, and then he says, now I'll walk in a manner worthy of the calling of, of God. Now walk it out. Don't kind of, um, yeah. So in Romans, Romans 8, 1 to 4, it says, now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's beautiful. We need to walk in that. No, there's no condemnation. I've been justified. I don't have to beat myself up when I fail. I have a redeemer. I can bring my, my life is under the blood of Jesus Christ and his righteousness. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin, sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. In order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk, we need to be a people that's walking um, in the power of the Spirit. 
So how's uh, the righteous requirements of the law fulfilled in us? And you go read further in the scriptures and you, you realize that actually um, the law points to a life that of love of other people. Um, it actually goes back to the heart. And actually, you know, at the end of the day, the greatest commandment is to, to love God and to love, uh, love your neighbor. And then you fulfill all the commandments. Actually, just God, God just goes back to the heart where he's, he's wanting to work with, with all of us. Romans, let me just read a couple of scriptures around that. Romans 13, 8 to 11. It says, Oh, no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandment, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not cover. And any other commandment are summed up in this word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. Galatians 5, 13 to 15. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for, your, for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you're not consumed by one another. Matthew 7, 12. For whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Matthew 22, 37 to 40. And he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So we fulfill the, the requirements of the law simply by, by loving God and, and loving, loving our neighbor. And the second thing in fulfilling the law in loving others is it's not done in our own strength. It says, you know, it's according to those who walk according to the flesh, but according to, to the spirit. So we need to walk in the power and in the empowering of, of his spirit. It says um, in, in Peter, you know, he's given, he, his divine power has been given to us for all life and godliness. And, uh, He's calling us to his excellence, and, 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 um, but he's empowered us. We've been empowered by, by Christ, and we need to align into, into our lives. Uh, Galatians 5, 16 to, we, we, know, we know the passage for, um, that talks about the, the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit, and it says they keep in step with the Spirit, and you know, what we need to be doing is, you know, it's like driving a car. We look at the dashboard and, you know, when, when you're getting angry or, or whatever's going on in your life, you need to look at the dashboard and say, well, you know, what's, what's popping up there? You know, is it, um, is it enmity? Is it strife? Is, is it jealousy or is it self-control or is it gentleness, faithfulness? And, uh, you know, just like we drive a normal car. And start recognizing that's how we keep in step with the, the Spirit. Because, you know, many times in a day we, we get out of step, but we can get back in step. I remember the army used to kind of, when you march there and, you know, you know it's very easy to see someone that's out of step. Um, and we just need to keep, on a daily basis, be mindful of that. Am I walking in the Spirit or have I slipped into works of the flesh? 
And I think we know if we, we know if we uh, yeah. Um, and the third thing, you know, we we are a work in progress. Uh, I love it where Paul says that not that I've already obtained this or am already made perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ has made me His own. The third thing is, you know, when we get together as as believers, and I often uh, saying it, I often say, you know, we need to learn to to fellowship around our weaknesses. You know, we do, we need to we. There's not one of us that's perfect here. We, we're on a road. We've been perfected, and uh, we had an interesting conversation at, at Life Church just last week. You know, one of the people was saying, oh, "I feel, you know, um, you know, I'm, I'm doing this and this and this and." And uh, then I, I feel sorry for myself, and I feel condemned, and 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 other people are saying, "Yeah, but we also do that, you know, kind of." And you know, it's a good laugh. And I actually asked uh, one of the young girls in the group, and I said, "Well, what do you, what, what counsel could you give?" And he says, "Oh, no, my mother also, my mother also shouts at us." And the kind of you kind of realize actually we're all a work in progress. And Paul says, you know, I, I don't understand my own actions. I want to do the right thing, but I do the wrong thing. And I find this war waging inside of me in my mind, uh, making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my midst. And he says, oh, what a wretched man I am. Who will deliver me? Thanks be to Jesus Christ. And we need to, we need to get back to Jesus. He's the one. He's our, he's our redeemer. He's our savior. He's the one that sets us up for victory. And, uh, you know, you try, you try and get victory. And I think it's Greg once kind of mentioned about, I mean, this is you giving a smoking rule, but <laughs> Greg did smoke once. He, doesn't, he tries to pretend he didn't, but. Uh, <laughs> um, but, you know, when we, when we run to the grace of God, we can overcome. When we try and we try to do it in ourselves and we, we make these commitments, we, we kind of, we make it to a point and then we, we fall. And then we, we feel all beaten up. But Paul says, no, no, I, I, I don't consider that, I've, that it's mine yet, but I press on to make it my, my own, for which God has made me his own. And we need to be a pressing on. We, we are going to fail. We're going to fail daily, but we need to get up. We need to remind ourselves, no, I, I am justified, and this is how God sees me. This, my, my experience and my position are two different things. And I'm, I'm in the process of being saved fully. Um, yeah, and the fourth thing is, you know, we, we will be perfected one day when we die. That's the good news. Um, and we will live in perfection of life forever. In Romans 8, it says, Those whom he predestined, he called, and those whom he called, he also justified, and those whom he justified, he also glorified. If you just read in that passage, you know, normally you would think, well, it should go justification, sanctification, glorification. But the Holy Spirit leaves out sanctification in that, in that passage. And you say, why? Because, well, justification is everything God. Glorification is everything God. Sanctification, it's you and God. And that's the sad part. God can't actually rely on us to... To work this thing out completely, you know, that, that we are exhorted to work work out our salvation with fear and trembling. But I think many 
many of us, we, we don't work things out. We don't allow God fully in. He doesn't to, to transform us completely. And I think there are people that they get saved and then they get, <laughs> they get glorified. And um, maybe a little bit of sanctification. And then the others that are, are working it out. They're becoming more and more like, like, like Jesus every day. But the good news is we will be per- perfected. And perfection is coming. And uh, don't, don't lose heart. Um, just keep pressing on and um, plugging, into, plugging into Jesus. And I think that's the last one is, you know, we need to turn to Jesus. Let him transform us. Um, you know, it's not pressure from without, but it's, um, it's the spirit working from within. And it talks about, you know, where the spirit is, there, there's freedom. And we, it's not, it's not by, by the law that's trying to force us to do stuff. And we know that that doesn't work. It's, it's when God does something in the heart and he works on the intense, intense and the, the loves of the heart, then suddenly we start doing something. We start, we're getting victory because it's coming, uh, coming from within. And um, as it says in Corinthians, that when one turns to the law, Lord, the veil is removed. Now, the Lord is a spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. And this comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. Isn't that amazing? I mean, you can't go to a course. You know, sometimes we want to go to a course, and this course is going to sort me out. I'm going to go and tick boxes, and, and, uh, and I'm going to come out... A better person but my experience is God don't work like that God works by his spirit and uh, his spirit deals with us each each one of us individually and uh, you know we need to read the when you read the word we need to look for Jesus in the scripture we need to see the father the, uh, the Holy Spirit and allow him to work with us and uh, but the spirit can come in takes the word and, and bring that transformation into into our lives you know, courses, oh, they, they, they kind of make us intelligent, but they don't change us necessarily. Um, you know, what we need to be is we need to be found in the Word. In the Word, it says reflects, you know, kind of, we look into here and it kind of, I see, oh, <laughs> I don't like what I see. And, uh, yeah, and it brings freedom and brings release. And, and I don't know how God does it, but it, it changes us. And that's how we, you know, yesterday I was this and today I'm, you know, I'm this. I remember a time in my life, I mean, early in the days, I mean, and, you know, I got saved, but I, did, I wasn't so keen to, a little bit reticent about God getting too close, you know, kind of, we'd have church and but Sharon and them were young, so whenever something was uncomfortable, I would pick up, a, pick up one of my kids and walk around and you know, I've got, to, I've got to do the paternal thing. <laughs> you know, I was just feeling it. You know, I didn't want to allow God in. And, but, you know, as we've gone down the road, I've, you know, I've learned you know, that I've got to, got to face stuff. I've got to allow God to come and work things and to, to transform us. Um, we need to press in and, and make it our own. Um, and it's not just going to become your own. Christ has made us his own, but we need to make it our own, take ownership of it.
Yeah, so it's, it's a work in progress. We are saved, we're being saved, and we one day will be. Cool. Great. Father, thank you, Lord Jesus, that your wisdom, Lord, and the way that you work upon man's heart, Lord, thank you for your word and your spirit, Lord, that gets to levels, Lord, that we don't even fully know ourselves at times. Help us, Father, to be those, Lord, that open, fling wide open the gates, Lord, that the King of Glory might come in, Lord. Thank you for your law, Lord, which is good, it's holy, it's righteous. And yeah, Father, I, I pray, Lord, that through what you've done for us, Lord, and your empowering, Lord, that we might be able to live, Lord, to in the way, Lord, that you describe, Lord, in these, in these pages, Lord. And Lord, we know that the Ten Commandments, Lord, in themselves, Lord, are impossible for man to keep, Lord. And we know, Lord, your, your teaching on the sermon, Lord, is even a higher order, Lord. But Lord, we know that you've made it possible, Father, and that with your help and the work of your spirit and your word and friends and those around us, Lord, that we can be transformed. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name.